ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to think I need a little bit more bass in my voice. I think I sound like Mickey Mouse right now. All right. All right. So let's get started. We are his body. Can you say this with me? We are the body of Christ. Again, we are the body of Christ. And if this is true, then everything that Jesus did when he was here, we should still be doing now. Do we understand that? To be a Christian doesn't mean that you just come to church and you stop going to bars. To be a Christian means that you, have, you are carrying on the ministry of Jesus Christ in this earth. It means that the head is in heaven, but the body is on earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? To be a Christian means that you have been redeemed from sin and that you have now allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to become your master. And you are a servant in this position. You see, we're, we've always been servants. So we either served sin or now we serve the Lord. And to serve the Lord means that we have given him our whole life. Our mind belongs to him. Our heart belongs to him. Our body belongs to him. And we do his beckoning. Okay? To be a Christian means that, that the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in me. And that old sinful nature I used to have has been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live or you who live, but Christ now lives within us. The ministry of Jesus Christ is still on this earth multiplied by many millions. So if Christ is still on this earth, then we should be making a difference in all that we do, especially as it, as it pertains to sharing the good news. Now, we can't be Christians and be silent as well. We can't be Christians and not share the word of God still as well. We have to have a message in our mouth that sets the captives free. You have a message in your mouth that can heal the sick, that can open blind eyes. You should have a message in your mouth that comes directly from heaven that tells the world the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I've heard a lot of good news in my life. See, people are willing to share good news, but sometimes the gospel is not as shared as it should be, okay? I've heard good news that there's a new taco place on Cable Road where rallies used to be. People, they'll, they'll tell that, right? They'll tell that. Or when gas prices start to fall, they'll, they'll tell that as well, all right? So there's certain good news that we don't mind sharing. But the best news of all, of all time, we can be a little quiet about and a little shy to tell. It makes no sense to me why we would be shy or fearful to share the best news in the world, especially if we love people, right? So today's message is entitled, We Are His Body, Showing the Way, Spreading Truth, Sharing Life. If we keep the gospel a secret, then we hide the way from the lost and dying. Instead, we must spread the truth about Jesus and share his life. I hope this hits home, that if we are silent, that if we do not tell people about Jesus, then we hide the way from them to be saved. And the whole reason Jesus saved us was, number one, because he loved us and didn't want us to be lost, but number two, so that his message and ministry could be reproduced in us. If you're a Christian, you're just as powerful as Jesus Christ as he was when he was here on this earth. That's what you must be willing to accept. Anything less than that is not Christianity, right? So I'm a sheriff deputy, okay? And I've got a badge, right? I've got a badge, okay? So I've got some authority, okay? But do you know that the sheriff of Allen County, like Matt Triglia, my boss, he doesn't have more power than me. I've got the same amount of power as our elected sheriff because we both finished the academy and we've both been certified by OPADA, right? Don Geiger is a, is a sheriff deputy right there. I don't have more power than him. He doesn't have more power than me. And our boss doesn't have more power than us. 
because our boss deputized us. He made it official. The power that he had, he shared it with us, and now we have the same power as the sheriff. Now, if you can believe that, then why don't you believe that Jesus Christ gave you the same power, all right? Why would he tell you to do things that you don't have the power to do? He told you that you could lay hands on the sick and they would recover. He told you that you could cast out demons. He told you that you could raise the dead if so needed to happen. So he's given us the same power. And the best news of all time is that Jesus has saved us from our sins and we need to be telling people. How many people, and don't tell me, don't show me on your hands, don't raise your hand. How many people have you told about Jesus this year? If it's zero, okay, if it's zero, then we need to get busy, right? Because why are we silent and why are we holding back? The only reason that it should be zero people that we've told about Jesus this year is if everybody we know is saved. And I know that's not the case. We all know sinners, and we all must be willing to share. But one reason that we don't share is fear, but God has not given us that spirit. Another reason we don't share is because we lack wisdom. And that is why you're here this morning, because we're going to gain the wisdom on how to share and what to share. We're going to start with Jesus being the bread of heaven. We're going to John chapter 6, verses 32 through 35. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So Jesus Christ was the bread of heaven who came down to a hungry people who were dying of starvation, dying in sin, and he's now come from come down from heaven and gives life to the world. That sounds good right there. Whatever you guys did, my voice sounds good. Thank you. Verse 34. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Verse 35. Jesus Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the bread of heaven. He came down from heaven so that anyone who would believe on him would be saved. Can I hear, can I hear an amen? Is that true? Amen. amen. So you guys are believers in Jesus Christ? Okay, so believers in Jesus Christ are also sharers of the gospel because to believe is also to proclaim, okay? Now we're going on to Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. This is Jesus, the bread of heaven. We just heard that he's the bread of heaven who came down to take away the sins of the world. Now he's about to die. Now he's sitting around the table. They call it the Last Supper with his disciples. And here's what he did. He took some bread and gave God and thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I got a new revelation of that this morning, though. Okay, so just as Jesus broke himself into tiny, broke that bread into tiny pieces and gave it away to signify himself. Praise God. We are Christians, right? Man, that was weak. Woo. We are Christians, right? All right. So Jesus Christ lives inside of us, right? So just as Jesus sat around the table with his disciples and broke the bread and passed it out, he gave up his life for them. So as Christians, it's not enough just to come to church, right? You've got to be breaking off your life and giving it to people, sharing Jesus. So just as he broke the bread and passed it out, it's no good for you to be a Christian that is, that is sealed, all right, with cellophane and wrapped tightly and never shared. I think when, G when we present it to Jesus, he wants to see pieces missing of us when we get there. He wants us to look like bread that has been broken, not bread that has never been cut. Here I am, Jesus, whole before you. No, he wants to see us broken. Did you share me with anyone? Come on, church. Did you share me with anyone? Did you offer the life that I gave you? Did you give it to people? Or have you not shared any with anyone? 
Don't, don't worry about being rejected. Will you please stop worrying about being rejected? Because he was rejected, right? Rejection is to be expected, but we must still offer life, okay? Verse 20, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So, That is the good news, that the Lamb of God, the sinless one, God himself, wrapped in flesh, came to this world and died for our sins. What you're getting today is an education on salvation and what Jesus did for us, and we're going to break it down into small pieces so that you can go and tell it. Because number one, you should be able to do this anyway, because you should be able to answer for your faith. Like, what is it that you believe? Like, how did you get saved? Why are you saved? So that reason that you're saved is what you tell people. I believed on Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I believe that he came from heaven. I believe that he walked this earth. I believe that he died for my sins. I was a sinner. And if I had not come to Jesus Christ, I would be lost. But he saved me. He loved me so much. And he can do the same for you. What's so hard about that? It's what we're already believing, right? You already, you know that because it's what you believe. So that is exactly what we are to be sharing. So this good news is worth sharing, and Jesus is worth sharing as well. We're going to go to a very popular and familiar passage of Scripture, John 3.16. And we're going to take John 3.16 as a loaf of bread And we're going to begin to break little pieces of it off so that we understand it and that we can distribute it. You're not here just to hear a sermon, okay? You're here to be given instructions. The whole reason for the church and the pastor, the evangelist, the apostle, the teacher, the prophet was to prepare you for your own personal ministry so that you could be going out there and doing what you're hearing happen in here. It's not enough to just go to church. You have to be the church. You you are expected to tell the good news or, see, you are expected to give life or we're assassins, murderers. If we don't tell people about Jesus and they're sinners and we know them and we're presented with the opportunity, we could be, their blood could be on our hands. And it's good news. Oh, my goodness. We act like God wants us to tell the bad news. The gospel is not the bad news. The gospel is the good news. And we should be willing to share this good news with everyone that we can. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We've known that our whole life. That's the best news that we can come up with. That's the best news that we can think of, that God loves us and saved us from perishing, okay? So let's break this down into bite-sized pieces so that all of you know how to share the gospel. And this message, these notes will be on the app. All you have to do is download the app, New Life Lima, at the App Store, and go to this sermon, and you'll always have these notes, and you'll know how to share the gospel. So now we're going to break John 3.16 down into bite-sized pieces. It says, for God. We have to go to John 4.24. We're going to learn about who God is. Who is this God? It says, for God. For God is a spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Say this with me. God is a spirit. So if you tell John 3.16 to someone, they're going, they're going to want to know more. So they're going to wonder, well, who is this God? And you'll say, well, God, he is a spirit. Then you can go to Revelation 22.13 and say this. He says this about himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Colossians 1.16 says this, For through him God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So when you tell someone, for God so loves the world, you got to know who God is. 
It's very hard to introduce someone to somebody you don't know. So do you know God? If you know God, you can introduce God as your friend, as the savior of your soul, as the lover of your soul, right? For God. Next is so loved. So what is this love? John chapter 15 verses 13 through 14 say this. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. So when it says, for God so loved, what is this love? He laid down his life for us. And you can ask most people, has anyone ever died for you? And most people will say, no, not that I know of. No one has ever died for me. Well, you're wrong. There is someone that died for you, and his name is Jesus, and he did it because he loves you. Amen? Are we getting excited about the gospel? You can't share something you're not excited about. And if the gospel bores you, I'm sorry, you're at the wrong place. I didn't ask you to come. Let's keep going. The world. For God so loved, we got love. Love is to lay down your life for another. The world. So what is the world? Genesis 6-5 says this about the world. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness in the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. He's talking about the world before the flood, and now we know that the world is still this way after the flood. So when you hear that God so loved the world, what is the world? It is a place that is consistently and totally evil. Do you hear what I'm saying? The world that we live in, we need to be saved from it. Why? Because it is consistently and totally evil. What, about, what else about this world? 1 John 2.16. See, you need to tell people why they need to be saved. Why do I need your Jesus? Why do I need your God? I'll tell you why. Because if you die in sin, you'll be lost forever, and he doesn't want that for you. So he came to this earth so that you might be saved by believing on him. He loves you so much. You share the love of God with a person. That's what compels them to come to Christ, and that's what they will be turned on by. Not your judgment, not your critical words, but you sharing the love of God with them. Let's continue. 1 John 2.16 says this about the world. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. So this world system does not represent God anymore. Yes, he created the earth, but the devil, the little God, he is the ruler over the power of the air. He's the one in control now. That that is why there is so much evil in this world. That's why you see less and less Bible on TV and more and more wickedness. That's why God has been expelled from the schools and from the government. That's why you can go and walk down the street and smell marijuana, and you can, you can see drug deals happening on the corner, and our prisons are full, and our cemeteries are filling up, and our children are lost. And even, even, even uh, I've been thinking about this. I'm 45 years old, and God has saved me, and he's kept me, and there's things that I don't do that I used to do anymore. But you know what? It's not because of maturity. Because there's people that graduated in 95 that are still in the world. So you know what? You don't grow out of sin. You have to die to sin. You don't just mature out of foolishness. You don't mature out of sin. You must be born again. Amen? Must be born again. So that's the world. Okay, for God so loved the world. Now we're to the point that says that he gave. What did he give? And why did he have to give? Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. By a show of hands, and don't you dare lie, by a show of hands, how many of you in here have ever sinned before? Amen, right? Hands down. Thank you for your honesty. Well, listen to your payment. So just like you work 40 hours a week, some more, some less, and you expect a payment for your, for your, uh, for your work, that's the fair wage, okay? So everyone that just raised your hand and admitted that you sinned, God owes us something. He owes us a wage for our sin. And do you know what that wage is? Death. Everyone that sins must die. Okay? So 
For God so loved the world, who is the world? The world is those that are filled with wickedness, those that are unrepentant, those that need a Savior that he gave. Here's that love kicking in. Church, can you say love? Please keep love flowing through you as you minister this to people. Keep that love going because there's no language that speaks louder than love. There is nothing that touches the heart of men and women more than love. Love is the most underused thing in the entirety of the world. There's plenty of everything else out there, but love is so rare. So when you share this love with people and you really mean it and you don't judge them, they will pay attention and they will listen to you. And if the time is right, God will save them, okay, that he gave. Why did the world need this something? Why did God need to give his son? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what he was doing is he was giving sinners a way out. And he was giving them a free gift. You mean I don't have to earn Jesus? No. I don't have to clean up my life? No. I can come just as I am with all my sins? Yes, it's a free gift. All you have to do is just believe on him and receive it. Because you're going to receive one of two things, every soul. You're going to either receive the wages of sin or you're going to receive the gift of God. Which do you want? The wages of sin is eternal damnation in the lake of fire and you'll burn and burn and burn and there will be no death there. That's the wage of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life. And the Lord said this, I set before you life and death. And then he even told us the answer, choose life. Amen. How many are glad that they chose life this morning? Amen. Amen. Okay, that he gave his only begotten son. This is good news. John 3, 16 will preach. Wow. His only begotten son. Matthew 1, 23. Let's learn about who that son is. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Church, can you say Emmanuel? Which means God is with us. So that was his begotten son, born from a virgin, Jesus Christ, named Emmanuel. And then John 1.29 tells us this about who this Jesus is, this only begotten son. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Church, can you say this with me? Jesus Christ is the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. What if we could get this message out there? What if we would really begin to tell people this message? That would change the world. Amen? If we're the body of Christ, we're the mouth of Christ too. And we can't afford to be silent anymore. The next thing it says is that whoever. So his only begotten son, that whoever. Well, who is the whoever's? John 12, 46 says this. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world. For God so loved the world. What's the world? This sinful place, right? But Jesus Christ came to this world. He says this, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. So the whoever is all, white, black, young, ex-voodoo, ex prostitute, ex-drug dealer, ex-drug addict. It doesn't even matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Everyone who desires to be saved can come to Jesus Christ for salvation. That's why... That's why we need to tell our drunk Uncle Bob. That's why we need to tell our coworker, the one that cusses every day, every other word is a swear word. You know what? Jesus came to save him too. And he can clean up his language and clean up his life. And all he's waiting for is to hear this good news. You don't understand how bad sinners really want to be saved. 
Do you, know, do you not know how bad they want this message that we hide from them? Remember when you got it and you received it? And many of you have been running for God for a long time now because you found him to be good. The word of God says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you tasted of his salvation and you said, you know what? I'm not going back to that bitter world. It's a cold, cold world out there. And I have found the lover of my soul and I'm not going back. There are others. They're in your family. They live next door to you. We'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about grass. We'll talk about dandelions, but we won't talk about Jesus. Why? Because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He'll steal the gospel right out of your mouth. Don't talk about that. We've probably had a hundred conversations with unbelievers in our life, and not one of them have been about Jesus, and we know that they're not saved. We know it, but yet we have not told them about Jesus. Why? All right? Say this with me. That changes, that changes. Today. today. Amen. All right. Next it says that whoever believes in him. So what is that all about? John eleven twenty five twenty six 26 says this. When Jesus was talking to Martha, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone. Church, can you say anyone? Anyone who believes in me. So what is the key to salvation? The key to salvation is not you cleaning up your life. The key to salvation is not you giving all of your money to the poor. The key to salvation is Jesus Christ and you believing in him. Will you believe in him? Anyone who believes in me, listen to this good news. Anyone who believes in me will live. Remember what the wages of sin were? Death, but this is the gift of life. Jesus Christ talking right now and saying that anyone who believes, it's not even hard to believe. We believe lies about ourselves. We believe lies about other people. We believe in Bigfoot. You believe in all kinds of, well, not all of us, but, and I don't either, but some of you do, all right? Believe in all kinds of foolish stuff. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I've placed faith in you. And you believe so many other things, but there's one thing that's necessary for you to believe if you want life. Believe in me. Believe in me being the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Can Amazon promise you that? No, there's nothing in this world that can promise us life after death except Jesus Christ himself, the gift of God. Everyone who who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. You believe that. Okay, listen to me. Say this with me. I am a witness to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am a light in darkness. I am salt in a wicked world. I will proclaim the good news. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a balcony full of empty seats that could represent sinners who don't know Christ. And you know what I've always said? It's not the pastor's job to fill the empty seats in here. It's my job to fill the people who are in the seats with ministry, with truth, and with power, and with the gospel. And then we go as a whole out, and we tell people, and they come into these seats. What you need to do, everyone in here, here's what you need to do. You need to find one empty chair in this church and say, you know what? By the grace of God, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus, and they're going to be sitting in this chair. Will you pray that prayer for a moment? Will you look around this room? for an empty chair, and will you pray that prayer for a moment, that that empty chair represents somebody that doesn't know Jesus yet, and I'm going to be a part of that miracle. Father, hear these prayers. Activate faith, God. Activate truth. Holy Spirit, fall on us. You said that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit came. Power 
to be witnesses. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, say amen. Amen. The gospel is serious business. Serious business. Let's continue. Whoever believes in him should not perish. So what does that mean, to not perish? Or what does it mean to perish? Revelations 21 and 8 says this. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate, remember the wages of sin is death. So here's that payment. Their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So remember the Bible says the wages of sin is death. This is the second death that, they're t- that he's talking about. But let's continue the story on. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. What is that everlasting life? John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26 say this. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. That's everlasting life. Never, ever die. Do you believe this? So now that we know the gospel, we have to be shown the way. Showing the way, spreading the truth, sharing life. The first thing we must do is duplicate his ministry. It's impossible to be a Christian without doing what Christ did. So we must learn to duplicate his ministry. John 14, 12 says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Raise your hand if you believe on Jesus Christ this morning. So that means that the word of God says this about you, that you will do the same works. Can you say same works? So that is duplication of the ministry that we saw Jesus performing. You can do that too. But Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to make, I didn't come for you to just do the same thing. I came for you to do greater things. I didn't come for you to just have life. I came for you to have abundant life, right? So God is saying here that since we believe on Jesus Christ, we should be able to do the greater works. So the first thing we need to be doing is preaching what Jesus preached, okay? So we're learning. We learn the gospel. Now we learn that as a Christian, we're supposed to be duplicating and multiplying his ministry. Lord, I pray that over your church right now in Jesus' name, that the word Christian has become so watered down in this world. Just about anybody can be a Christian according to the world standard, but not yours. So, Father, I pray for your church, the body of Christ. I speak to dead and dry bones, and we say, come alive now, ministry of Jesus Christ on the inside of every believer. Come alive now in the name of Jesus. Awaken you sleepers. Awaken those that slumber, and may the good news be proclaimed in this earth from your body. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that everyone that is not connected to you, to the vine, would begin to reconnect so that we might produce fruit as branches. We are not a dead and dying and dry church. We are the body of Christ. You are the head. And as you say move, we are to move. Lord, I pray now against complacency in the church. I pray against religion that does not lead to salvation. I pray that your Holy Spirit, God, would be so heavy upon us that we would know his will and be empowered to obey. May this be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hand on your stomach for me and say this for me. Say, Father, I pray now that the power of the Holy Spirit would shake me and move me to duplicate and multiply the ministry of your Son and my Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that the measure of faith that you have given me is being activated. I am not afraid 
For you have not given me the spirit of fear, but I have power, love, and When is it his turn to get rid of the demons running around this city? When is it his turn? All right. We're supposed to have given up our lives for him. So in order to be a Christian means that we're Christ-like and we also duplicate the ministry of Christ. So we must begin to preach what Jesus preached. In Matthew 4.17, we find what Jesus preached, his first sermon after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. It says this. From then on, church, can you say from then on? Actually, say this, from now on. But the Bible says this about Jesus. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Church, can you say this? Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Congratulations, you just preached your first sermon. That's exactly what you need to tell people. That's it. You, need to, you want to know how to get a person saved, how to get the, win them to Christ? You need to tell them to repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So what does it mean to repent? 2 Chronicles 6.37 gives us a little bit of that. It says this, But in the land of exile, they might turn to you in repentance and pray. So to repent means to turn. Remember, God, can't, God so loved the world, and the world is evil, and the majority of people in this world are headed towards hell, all right, because broad is the way, and wide is the way that leads to hell. So many people are walking towards hell. To repent means to do this. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm done with sin. I'm done with the world. I'm done going uh, blindly and following the enemy. I turn from my sin. That's what repent means. So when you tell someone to repent, what you're saying is turn from sin. Because the wages of sin is where everyone is going. The enemy is tricking them. The deceiver of the world is tricking them. But in the land of exile, they might turn to you in repentance and pray. So repentance requires turning and praying. And this was their prayer. We have sinned, done evil, and acted wickedly. Joel 2.12 also tells us what repentance means. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now. You see, repentance, all right, again, means to turn, not turn back. Because many of us, when you're, when you're trapped in a sin, when you're trapped by a stronghold, we don't repent, we just pause. When you're trapped in an addiction, it's not true repentance unless you truly turn. Sometimes we just pause, okay? To, to repent means to turn away from. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. That's why we're saying you have to repent because it leads you away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And finally, what does it mean for the kingdom of heaven is near? 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 4. Listen closely. This is why we need to be telling others about Jesus Christ, especially those we love. Listen to me. Everyone you love, you should be telling the gospel to. Every single person you love, you should at least start there. I got to share this with you. Whether they receive it or not, it's not up to you. It's not on you whether they receive it or not. You just tell them about it. And here's why we need to tell them, because Jesus preached this. Repent, okay, turn from your sins, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
So what does that mean? How near is the kingdom? And when is it going to happen? 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 4 says this. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly. When will the day of the Lord's return come? Unexpectedly. Like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as the pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no, no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. All right? So, will the sinners who want to see Jesus see him in us? As Christians, you're a lighthouse. You're salt. And the desire of the world, the desire of the Father is that the world sees him in you. Remember Zacchaeus? A short little man who wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed a tree to see him. Well, I thank God that Jesus Christ died on the cross and said this, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And how does he draw? Us. We are the ones that draw them to him. All right? Finally, the way that a person receives salvation, here's what you must know in our closing verses. Hearing, believing, confessing, salvation. Hearing, they must hear, they must believe, they must confess, and then they receive salvation. Romans 10, 8 through 15 says this, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Who preaches it? We preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with, one heart, for with the heart, one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Church, we are reconcilers. We have work to do. God saved us out of darkness to now be tour guides, okay? Now, we don't go back to the darkness to live there, right? But we go back to those who are in darkness still, and, and we, we pull, pull them out by showing them the way. We are reconcilers. Second Corinthians 5, 20 and 21, our last verse of the day. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. So you need to know this. When Jesus came down to earth, it was God inside him appealing to all those around him, repent, repent, repent. Because you know why God is so adamant about repentance? Because you know what? He has to destroy this world. God is so adamant about people hearing the gospel because he has to destroy this world. And he has to destroy every unbeliever too. So people say, well, if God is so loving, why does he send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. Unbelief sends people to hell. Refusing to repent sends people to hell. But the only way they're going to know to repent is you. So just as God was in Jesus appealing to the world to repent, if you're a Christian, a real one, then God is in you, and he desires to do the same thing. Appeal to the world to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we, stand with me, please. I believe this is going to be the last message in this series. We are the body of Christ. And here is the most important thing that the body of Christ does. Repeat after me. So we 
are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made with God, right with God through Christ. Church, say this with me. Come back to God. Again, come back to God. Come back to God. That's what Christians do. That's the function of the body of Christ. It says God is making his appeal through us. We're the body of Christ, right? And if we're the body of Christ, we're the mouth of Christ too. And it says this, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Holy Spirit, do what you will in this moment. Holy Spirit, do what you will in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. We are the body of Christ. And that doesn't mean that we just meet in this building once a week. It doesn't mean that we just pray and read our Bibles and keep to ourselves. We are the body of Christ and we speak for him when we plead, come to God. That's the message that leaves your mouth. That's what you tell your children and your unsaved family members. You're the body of Christ and he's crying out through you, come to God. And if we never say that, are we really the body of Christ? Have we really believed on Jesus? Have we really given him our whole life? Maybe that's why he said that if we don't give him our whole life, we will lose it. But if we're willing to lose it for his sake, he'll find it. So it's time to start tearing the bread. It's time to start sharing Christ. It's time to start losing our life for others. Because if we don't, if we keep it, we lose it. Do you hear what I am saying? If you keep your life, you lose it. So you must rip off pieces. And I know it's hard. I know you will feel rejected. I know they will make fun of you. I know that they will condemn you. I know that they will reject you. But that's what they did to our Lord. So arm yourselves likewise. You will also be mocked. You will also be ridiculed. You will also be made fun of. They won't want to hang out with you. They won't want to be around you. But that's okay because you're going somewhere. He went to prepare a place for you. And when it is ready, he said, I will come back to you and I will get you. All those who have hidden their life in Christ. But it's not enough for just you and your husband to be saved. It's not enough just for you to be saved. It's time to take the wrapper off the bread. And it's time to begin tearing pieces of ourselves off. Because if we're Christians, that means we're of Christ. So to share and tear means to give of him to the world. All who are hungry all who are lost, all who are in darkness, all who are perishing, they need a piece of Jesus. And that piece of Jesus will come from you. Father, we thank you for this word today. But Lord, I pray that this is not just one of, another one of those sermons that go in one ear and out the other. Because if it does that, 
then souls are going to be lost. If it does that, then we fail to be the body of Christ. May we not fail the assignment to be reconcilers. May we not fail the assignment to share Jesus with the lost and dying world. God, they called Noah crazy until it started to rain. Lord, I pray that when the trumpet sounds, God, that there won't be many that we know that say, what was that sound? Who is this returning on a cloud? What is his name? Where are they going? What is happening? Lord, may they be aware if they know us, then they should know Jesus too. That's why you saved us, God. Now I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. Satan, I command you to let the church go in the name of Jesus Christ. We do not belong to you. Let our tongues go. We will share this gospel message. We will not be ashamed. We will speak the truth in love. The truth is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. May it be shared. May this word be shared, God. Time is running out. May we share this word, God. Every day, may we tear and share. Tear and share. Tear and share. We don't have to know the person at the gas station. You do. And may we be obedient to your Holy Spirit. Even if it's a stranger, it's still a person that you died for. Heaven knows no strangers. Jesus knows no strangers. He paid for everybody you see with his own blood. He purchased them. May you tell them their value. Tell them about the Savior. How beautiful are the feet of those who share this gospel. Empower us, God, to live a life of rest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.